Have you and your church ever wondered how you're going to reach your local community with the message of Jesus? In some ways, it's daunting. In other ways, it's exhilarating. Today on Ministry in Motion, Chris Holland will share with you the essentials on preparing your church for effective evangelism in the 21st century. You're watching Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry. So Chris, where do you like to start with preparing a congregation for, for evangelism? You know, it's interesting. I, I often tell the story. When I first came into ministry, I graduated from Andrews University and I arrived at my first district there in Bloomington, Illinois, right at the center of the state. And I'll never forget, I, you know, I was excited. I, I was out of school and I got my office all set up and I got all the books on my shelf and I sat down at my desk and my wife came in and I was sitting there and she goes, what's wrong? And I looked at her and I said, I have absolutely no idea what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and I know that that's an experience a number of pastors have because it's, it's, a, it's a real big question. You know, what do we do? I, now I ended up calling, I called a, a good friend of mine, Robert Wagley, who, is, uh, who, uh, who was the evangelist that I had worked with. And I said, Robert, what do I do? And we began talking about things. And and so it's an essential question to ask. You know, we face a real growing challenge in the church today. Uh, and that is a twofold challenge that we face. First is we have to ask this question, is our church making a difference in the community? You know, Ed Stetzer asked this very poignant question and he says, the question needs your answer. If your church disappeared from its community, would the people in the community miss it? For many, the sad but true answer is no. No one in the community would miss the church because the church has never impacted the community. Well, that hurts, doesn't it? it I mean, it's a strong statement. And I, yeah. I, when, when we have to make particularly strong statements like that, it's always nice to be able to quote somebody else so they don't get <laughs> mad at you. And so Ed Stetzer, who's you know really kind of considered one of the real experts on church growth, growth and small groups and church uh, planting, he asked this question. And I think it's actually the, an important question and it's actually very, the very basic premise where we start. Mm. When we're asking the question, how do we do effective evangelism? How do we prepare a church for effective evangelism in the 21st century? We have to ask that question, how can I make a difference in this community? Are we making a difference in the community? If the answer is no, there's hope because we can start making that difference. Now you use this word evangelism and I think it's an important word to unpack just a little bit. Often when we talk about doing evangelism, what we have in our minds or what comes to mind is a public meeting with Sean Boonstra or Mark Finley or Doug Batchelor or, or, Chris, Holland. or Chris Holland, you know, and, uh, and, and listen, all of those individuals that I just named are wonderful people doing wonderful work. Yet when we talk about evangelism in that narrow of a scope, I think we really miss the essence of what evangelism is. Evangelism in its, in its ultimate basic definition is this 
reaching out. I mean, the word evangelism is comes rooted from the word in Greek, awangolion, the gospel message, the proclamation of good news. That's the essential part, isn't it? And the that's good news. the good news. And good news comes in a variety of ways. There is the good news of salvation, but there's also the good news of, of physical healing. There's the good news of mental repair. And so how do we reach our community? Now, it's interesting. There's one more quote that I'd like to mention, and then we get right into this, how do you prepare a church? You know, Mike Frost, who's another expert in church growth, he says something, and this one, this is painful. I'm going to read it. It's a painful quote, but it gets right to the heart of what we're talking about. Okay. He uses this word, incarnational mission. Uh, incarnational, of course, coming from Jesus incarnate, being there amongst the people. Incarnational mission means moving into the lives of those to whom we believe we've been sent. Living in one neighborhood, working in another, playing in another, and churching in yet another doesn't model to people that Jesus is willing to move into their neighborhoods. It says that if Jesus' followers don't want to live here, neither would Jesus. Mm. The not-yet-missional miss this. They don't take the spiritual geography seriously enough. They are willing to drive their gas-guzzling SUVs halfway across town to attend church, unconcerned about those who live in their own neighborhood or those who live in the church's neighborhood. They forget that the very least we can say about the example of Jesus is that proximity is an essential element. Now, what are we getting at there? Mm. Our church exists in a community, and that community, whether it be a rural or urban or suburban community, that church exists in the community. And the question is, is how are we demonstrating to those around that church that we're all about bringing the love of Jesus and the good news of Jesus to this community? And that's where we began. And so when I'm working with a church we begin at that very essential component of asking that question. How do we reach this community? Because mm. it's, it's, it's more than just look at us. That's right. Yeah. That's right. There's got to be the content there and the, the, a level of representation. That's right. And at its very, because when we talk about the church, you know, and, and, and in this context, I, I am referring to the church building. Mm -hmm. But more important than the building, the bricks and the wood and the roof, mm -hmm. the word church in the original Greek language is the word ekklesia, literally meaning the called out ones. Beyond just the structure of the building, we must ask the question, how are each one of our individual members manifesting the character and love of Christ that is good news, but may not be coming across as good news. So how do, we, how do we have a church, meaning the individual parts, the individual members, demonstrating that love of Christ in the community? Not driving across town. And not driving across town. Now, listen, I understand in certain contexts you have to drive a long way to church. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, I want to ask the question, if, because people will say, well, but my church is in a community church. Well, that we need to start working in the community and, and, and finding people that are looking for something more and looking for Jesus and baptizing them and making them a part of our church so that our church really truly is what I would call a community church. Because if it's a 
church filled with individuals from the community, these individuals in the community best understand that community and can more effectively minister to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, that's the key part, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's the, the awareness, the knowledge, the intimacy with the community and being sensitive to that. That is a hundred percent true. Yeah. And you know, you can read the literature and I actually, in my, in my doctoral work, spent a lot of time reading the modern literature. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of models of church. One of them called the missional church, the transformational church, the incarnational church, the center church, but all of them have one commonality, Anthony, and that is this. The commonality is each one of them is finding and discovering the needs of a community and meeting those needs. And that's essentially when we start talking about preparing a church for evangelism, where we start at that very basic concept of how do we discover the needs of our community. Okay. Let's hold that point because I want to come back to that. Sounds good. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is preparing your church for effective evangelism in the 21st century. And our guest, Chris Holland. Now, Chris, recognizing the needs and responding to those needs, motives have got to come in here somewhere. Yes. Let's, let's think about the, the motives behind all of that. What can they be? And most importantly, what should they be? So it's an interesting question. If we talk about evangelism for the sake of evangelism, and there are a number of quotations, in fact, for many millennials, uh, that, 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 that group there that uh, has, uh, has been the, um, the focus of many studies on church growth, for many millennials, the turnoff is that the church has seen evangelism as a source of increasing funds and putting more people in the seats in the church. When we talk about motives, this is so key because people will sniff out, excuse the vernacular, but they will mm -hmm. sniff out a bait and switch tactic yeah. right away. Or just a bait. <laughs> or just a bait. And that's right. And that's right. And that's 100%. And so when we look at the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus demonstrated that Jesus did good for people for the sake of doing good. What do I mean by that? Well, when Jesus was articulating his mission, he was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is trying to understand this whole concept of the Son of God and Messiah. Jesus, of course, we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. But John 3.17, Jesus said some remarkable things. He said, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And it's that Greek word there, saved, is the Greek word sozo, mm -hmm. translated deliverance from sin, but also translated to be made well or to be healed. Why is that important and how, what does that have to do with motives? Jesus' mission was one of healing, healing people physically, healing people mentally or emotionally, and healing people spiritually. He saw the whole man, the whole woman. And we see throughout the ministry of Jesus, Jesus went about, and let's just use one example. Jesus fed 5,000. Mm -hmm. He met a physical need. 
we know from the cross that Jesus stood alone. Those people did not follow Jesus. Now, we have probably good evidence that later on they did, but right then and there, Jesus didn't say, oh, hey, I'll break this bread and I'll feed you this bread and I'll feed you these fish only if you come to church this week. Mm. Only if you'll listen to what I have to say. Yeah. He fed them because the Bible articulates Jesus sensed that they were hungry. Yeah. And he fed them. That the bread and the fish weren't served on a response card. That's right. You know, like That's that right. they filled in after they. That's right. Yeah. You know, uh, a, a well-known author uh, from the 1800s used a phrase that we don't use today in the 21st century, disinterested benevolence. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? That means that if I'm going to give someone a loaf of bread, I don't give them that loaf of bread with conditions. I'll give you this loaf of bread as long as you sign up for a Bible study. So when we talk about a motive for a community, we go back to Jesus. When Jesus came to this earth, when Jesus lived and he was in Nazareth and he was in Galilee and he was in Judea, he looked around and he saw needs and he met those needs. And there were times he healed 10 lepers. Mm -hmm. Not all of those lepers did what he asked of going to the priest. Only one of the lepers came back and thanked him. Jesus healed people because he wanted to see them well. This is also demonstrated in John 11. Jesus goes to the funeral of a friend. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. Yeah. Now, often we talk about the emotion of Jesus. Oh, Jesus wept because he lost Lazarus. No doubt it hurt Jesus. At le but we have to also understand, Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Why was Jesus weeping? because there were a multitude of hurt people that were, were feeling sorrowful. So he was meeting and Jesus cares about people. Absolutely. And in turn, we need to care about people. So when we talk about constructing our church in such a way that our church is evangelistically focused, and again, I want to remove that picture of evangelism being PowerPoint slides and a 26-night meeting. Is that important? and a part of our overall evangelistic strategy. 100%, I've spent a number of years doing that, it is important, but when we think about evangelism, we're asking this question, what does it mean to meet the needs of a community? How do we discover those needs? Well, the very basic discovery begins in the fact that we need to care about our community. So when caring for the community, you know, there's uh, an investor from uh, Merrill, uh, excuse me, uh, from the Magellan Fund, Peter Lynch, very well known, took the Magellan Fund from millions to billions in assets. He followed a very simple investing principle that I think we can learn from that helps us understand. Peter Lynch, uh, simply when he was investing, would drive around and watch what was happening. Peter Lynch was one of the original investors in Subway because he began seeing this little sandwich shop that was selling these foot-long subs very fast, popping up all over. And he said, this is a business that's going to be succeeding. Peter Lynch invested in Home Depot. Now, there are many people watching today that don't remember a time when Home Depot didn't exist. But there was a time that Home Depot didn't exist. And so he would invest based on what he saw was happening in the com community. Uh, and There's so a sensitivity there, isn't that's there? That's right. That's you, right. You know, to 
to, to see what the needs are, to see what the, the movements, the interests of the people are. That's right. And to respond to that. And so from we take that investing principle and we bring that into the church. How do we discover the needs of the community? Well, there are a couple of very simple ways. One very, very simple way. You don't need to spend any money. You don't need to do a demographic research. Just get in your car or put on your tennis shoes and walk. Mm. Walk around your church. And watch. And watch. As you start seeing a lot of big wheels and tricycles and play equipment, well, what do you need? What do you know? You know right away. There's a lot of families. What are the needs of families? Mm. You, you begin, uh, you, you can read, and I know the newspaper is old technology, but we can learn a lot from the newspaper. Almost every single newspaper prints the people who have died, the people who have been born, and the people who have just moved in. You can discover those needs by ministering to people who've lost a loved one, who have just brought a child into the world, or people who have just moved to the neighborhood. And we think about the needs that exist in those groups. Those are some very simple things. There's other things we can do to discover needs, but those are some very basic, done, doesn't cost you any kind of money to discover and begin saying, how do I care for my community through these things that I'm seeing? Hmm. Thanks, Chris. I tell you, you're inspiring. I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is helpful. One thing I'm interested, particularly hearing more from you about, though, is vision casting. Yes. Like taking the group with you. Do you know, like, so it's not just you putting on the tennis shoes or looking around That's your right. church. It's taking the team, the we, with you. How do you do that? Well, we're going to do that right, right after this break. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is preparing your church for effective evangelism in the 21st century. And we have Chris Holland with us. Now, Chris, how do we make this a, a team experience rather than just a, a lone ranger, a voice crying in the wilderness, so you to bet. speak? You bet. Now, I know we have a variety of people viewing this show. So there may be pastors, there may be other lay leaders, whether they be youth leaders, deacons, deaconesses, elders, and depends on the church you're coming from and how that structure works. One of the key principles that I've learned throughout my ministry, and I learned it very early on, uh, and that is that the key to leadership, uh, you know, uh, John Maxwell says, if, if you think you're leading and there's no one following, you're just out for a long walk. Okay. We need to begin to share this vision. And if we simply share this vision at a church board meeting, it will surprise people. It may shock some people. So how do we do that? We begin meeting with individuals one-on-one. -on -one. Now, from a pastoral perspective, I can tell you what I would do. I would meet with the senior lay leader in the context in which I have pastored. That would be the head elder of the church. And I would begin sharing some of these principles, doing some Bible studies on how did Jesus do ministry? How do you think this would look in our church? Because one thing I need to respect as a pastor, and here's the reality, pastors come and go, mm -hmm. but that senior lay leader's probably been there for a long time. Yeah. So we want to get, and then we expand that. And again, in my context, I would expand that to the rest of the elders. And then I'd talk to the head deacon and the head deaconess. And behind the scenes began sharing this vision of doing ministry like Jesus and then bringing it to the church board. Now, it's interesting, again, in my context, 
the church manual, which outlines some of mm -hmm. the uh, principles for running the business of the church, says the first and primary role of the church board is the planning for and execution of outreach and evangelism in the community. Now, again, I'm not being cynical with what I'm about to say, but I've pastored quite a number of churches. And for most churches, I could probably guess what your agenda is. The agenda is going to be something like this. There's going to be a prayer and a devotional. We're going to review the, we'll vote on the agenda, we'll review the minutes, and then we'll do the financial report. And for whatever reason, it seems that that financial report takes more time than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I've asked people to say, hey, if we're going to really construct this in a way where reaching the community is first and foremost, what would happen if that was what was first on the agenda? Yeah, we had our prayer and our devotional. We, we voted on the agenda. We reviewed the minutes. But then the very first thing is, how do we plan for yeah. evangelism in our community? And I would contend that when we kind of restructure just the very structure of our church board meeting, it might really transform and then start sharing this vision. Mm -hmm. How do we reach this community? What are some of the needs? And begin asking a lot of questions. Instead of telling people, we ask a lot of questions. What are the needs of this community? How can we as a church make a difference in a community? There's a young pastor that I've been mentoring uh, that's in Wyoming that began asking that question. And one of his lay leaders said, you know what? There's a real need of ministering to the to the uh, to the to the spouses to the to the partners of unwed single mothers. So how do we minister to them? And this was a real and so they've constructed this ministry of how to reach out and to minister to the fathers of mothers that they have not gotten married yet, how do you minister to these individuals and help them through this major transition in life? And, and listen, that worked in Wyoming. And, and so I don't want anybody to walk away from this saying, oh, hey, here's the new mission. The yeah. mission is to reach partners of unwed mothers. That was in their context. We ask a lot of questions and we began casting this vision of constructing our church and our very church calendar around the idea of how do we bring healing and wholeness to people physically, mentally, and spiritually? And that is in essence. And then if you're a pastor or a lay leader that's preaching, we begin preaching to the congregation. We walk through, we did an entire show with Ministry in Motion on Jesus' model of comprehensive evangelism, taking Luke chapter 4 and Matthew 24, 14, and preaching through that and asking the question, what would Jesus have us do to reach this community? And that answer may be different whether you're in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or Orlando or Houston or in South Africa or Russia or someplace like that. Those answers may be different on how we do that in reaching our community. Mm. Wow, that's a lot to absorb there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> beyond that, where do we go next? What's, what's the next step? We've, we've, we've convinced the church. All right. The, the, the church board's on, on board. Yes. You, you're preaching it. What's next in the, the equation? So how I work, and I call this the eight universal principles of evangelism. And why I call them principles is I've seen it working in all parts of the earth. Mm -hmm. Here's the eight principles, and I construct our conversation and the crafting of our church calendar around these eight principles. Principle number one is spiritual renewal or spiritual revival. 
We need to rediscover a love for lost souls. We need to rediscover the heart of God and the, per, the relentless pursuit he has for lost people. Yeah. Principle number two, compassionate Christian living. How do we live compassionately mm -hmm. to demonstrate that love of Christ? Three, training and equipping. How do we train and equip our church members to reach out to the community effectively? Number four, Bible-based community outreach. How do we reach out to the community? We've discovered those needs. How do we effectively meet those needs? Then, reaping the harvest. What kind of public proclamation are we having that as people are encountering the love of Jesus and want to know more, what public opportunities are we giving for people to make a decision to follow Jesus all the way? Then, we talk about nurture and follow-up and the the how do we then, these individuals that are making decisions to follow Christ, what opportunities are we giving to them to become disciples of Jesus and well-grounded? It's critical, isn't it? And then fellowship. Mm. Listen, and, and, and that's seven, because I missed one of those, and that's inspiring worship. How is our worship service inspiring people to want to follow Jesus and demonstrate his love? But then that last principle is fellowship. Mm. You know, uh, Tom Rayner wrote a book, Surprising Insights from the Unchurched. 98% of people who are unchurched and began coming to church come because of the pastor and his preaching or the teachings of the church. But one year later, it goes down to 38%. The vast majority of people stay in the church because they have made friends through fellowship. And so with the church board and the church leadership, we begin constructing a calendar of 12 to 8 months that becomes a continual cycle of doing exactly what I've just said, reaching okay. out to the community okay. this is and be critical. effective for Jesus in the 21st century. So it's not a one-off thing. No. It's a cycle That's of correct. continual preparedness. That is correct. Chris, thank you so much for coming on Ministry in Motion. Thank you for having me. We're so pleased that you joined us for today's program, Preparing Your Church for Effective Evangelism in the 21st Century with Chris Holland. Five major points came from today's program. First of all, effective evangelism begins when members are personally invested in their communities. Secondly, discovering and meeting the community's needs is one of the best places to start. Our third point was, seek to follow Jesus' method of healing, helping and blessing with no strings attached. The fourth point, make community outreach and evangelism the main features of your church board meetings. And finally, don't become preoccupied with event-based ministry, but rather make community ministry the lifestyle of the church. Once again, we're thrilled that you joined us for today's program right here on Hope Channel. Sometime though, come and visit us over on our website, ministryinmotion.tv. There you can see all the programs we've ever made and they're available 24-7, no charge to you. But until next time, may God richly bless you.